So hello everyone and welcome to the latest MCAST episode. MCAST is the Society for the Environment podcast, bringing you environmental professionals in conversation each month. Our podcast is designed to provide insight into the lives of registered environmental professionals, featuring experts from across a wide range of sectors and disciplines. We explore what they do, why they do it, how they got to where they are now, and their future ambitions. Each guest is registered with us as a Chartered Environmentalist, Registered Environmental Practitioner, or Registered Environmental Technician, by one of our professional body partners, known as our licensed members. As such, they have been each been externally verified to confirm that they are committed to good practice in their environmental work. To learn more about the Society for the Environment, our environmental registrations, and our licensed members, please visit socm.org.uk. For this month's episode of MCAS, we will be reflecting on the experience of a Chartered Environmentalist and 26 UN Climate Change Conference, COP26, held in Glasgow. SOCM Vice Chair and Honorary Treasurer Sandra Norval, CM, who is also future growth lead at Southern Water, attended COP26 as part of the SOCM delegation. In this COP26 special, she will provide insights into her time in Scotland, her key takeaways from the summit, and identify urgent and essential actions for us all leading out of the conference. Clips recorded live from COP26 are incorporated throughout to add additional insights into the discussion. I'm Sarah Ridgen and I'm SOCM's Policy and Communications Officer. I attended COP26 alongside Sandra and I'll pitch in with my own reflections from time to time. But now is a good time to catch up with you, Sandra, and reflect on our own experience there last week. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you today and reflecting on our own experience as part of the SOCM delegation at COP26. So, hi, Sandra. Hi, Sarah. Really good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you again, too. Um, So if I just um, ask you firstly, if you could tell us a bit more about your role at SOCM and why it was important for you to attend COP26 as part of the SOCM delegation. Yeah, sure. Um, I've been honorary treasurer for uh, the board for just over two years and was recently appointed as vice chair as well. So um, that role is really important for the society because we sort of have oversight and governance of the organisation and the directions that we're taking. So we discuss the um, plans that we have for things like qualifications that we're developing and directions for the qualifications that are already in place and how we're engaging to get people to to take on board what it is we're trying to do with them. Um, so I'm really excited to be in that role because I feel that it's really important um, for shaping what what is available to people. And I've also sort of championed diversity and inclusion as part of that role as well to expand those pathways for people that actually want to, to start to um, progress and develop their qualifications. And attending COP really gave us that opportunity to kind of expand that message and talk to some people about things that they might want to get involved with. So things like our CM on board, um, helping them understand the different qualifications we've got and our pledge to net zero as well. Brilliant. Yeah, there's some really good priorities there. Um, so if I could ask you, how how would you sum up your experience attending COP26, bearing in mind what you've just said? Um, yeah, how was it? How did you find it? <laughs> um, exhausting is one word. <laughs> it's, it's huge. And um, I think that's one of the key things is that no attendee is going to be able to say that they attended everything. It's impossible. It was set out in uh, two major zones as well as a major fringe event as well all around Glasgow um, and lots of online activity as well. So 
it's a case of sort of covering what you can. And I think serendipity was the other word that really sort of stuck in my mind because actually we had a number of chance encounters and finding ourselves in the right room for a really interesting discussion. That sort of thing happened several times over the time we were there. Um, listening to the press, there's a lot of sort of negativity and people feeling like we're not going to achieve what we need to achieve. But actually in the room, there was a lot of hope and optimism as well. So for me, I think it was it was about picking up on the actual vibe in the room as opposed to the vibe outside of the room. And I think it's important to actually see both and understand where people are coming from for both, because that's going to really feed into the work that we all go on to do afterwards. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think we met some really amazing people doing really amazing things um, in the environmental professional field. And it was really inspiring, I thought. Um, so I would yeah. I would absolutely agree with that, that it was a really positive experience. So, yeah. um, so if I just move on to the next question now, um, you mentioned before about the the kind of SOCM priorities at COP26 a, a little bit, but if you could just expand a little bit more about, about those key priorities and, and whether you think these were ultimately achieved. Sure, yeah. I mean, we had two keywords really, was uh, competence and collaboration. So the competence piece feeds into the fact that our, our qualifications are all about enabling people to demonstrate their competence and grow their competence as well. So any organisation that's engaging with chartered environmentalists or registered environmental practitioners or registered environmental technicians as well, they know that they're bringing competent, uh, competence into the roles that they're setting up within their teams. So that was vital for us to sort of get that message out to people and help them to understand why that matters. And the collaboration piece is about working with people so that we can develop what we do and keep building it and find ways to get that work out into the wider world. So we were talking about chartered environmentalists on board as part of what we were doing. So engaging with people to promote that competence and collaboration as part of people's boards. Um, so helping them to sort of take more and more action through those two key words, really. And I think they're key for everyone, not just SOCEMV. So I think they were really well-chosen keywords for us to focus on because I think they fit that next stage of work. I think we're at the point now where everyone agrees what needs to happen and it's now about getting it out there and implementing it, taking those actions. And it's only going to be through working together that we're going to be able to make that happen, I think. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we've got a video now that we'd like to play uh, from our time at COP26. So, um, Sandra, do you, do you just want to introduce the, the clip? Yes. Yeah, so, we um, one of the first talks we attended actually was um, from a chap called Tony Aimadua. He was the CEO of the Seychelles Energy Commission. And the work that they're doing out there was really inspiring, so incredible, because actually they're working with the small islands uh, development states. And as one of those islands, they're trying to set themselves out as a champion and to set the frameworks for delivering renewables in a major way to make themselves entirely dependent on renewable only. Um, they were working with solar, they're working with wind, they've got floating solar farms that they're developing. Really inspiring chap. Brilliant. 
Hi everyone, it's really great to be here at COP26 and today is all about finance and how you're actually going to build capacity for sustainability. So we just attended a really great talk with the uh, Commonwealth and Seychelles talking about renewable energy and we followed that up with a conversation and that's what we're about today is to engage people about what we do at Society for the Environment, talking about how we support people with development of skills, helping them to fill skills gaps and looking at how we support charter environmentalists, registered environmental practitioners and registered environmental technicians to help people collaborate and build competence so that they can build capacity. So Sandra, um, COP26 saw a number of announcements related to young people and a day's theme dedicated even to youth and empowerment. Um, so I was wondering perhaps you could explore the importance of this theme um, and how it links to SOCEM's work on ensuring and championing environmental competence. Sure, yeah, um, that was a really powerful day. Um, the youth obviously are the future, so this is the world that we're leaving them. So it's really important that we get it right. And I think what was really exciting was just how much of, of their voice we heard actually at the event. Um, Actually, we bumped into Bear Grylls <laughs> as well. Shared a photo of him on LinkedIn. Yeah, as Chief um, Scow, isn't he? So <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. So he was there, sort of representing the voice of, of youth, and um, hopefully, kind of paving the way for them to to be heard. And um, we we did a video in front of the Forest of Promises, which was pulled together by the Scouts Association. Um, sadly, we didn't actually get to talk to Bear, Bear but um, we did um, see him um, presenting his his talks and his thoughts. Um, but it's not just about organisations like the Scouts. It's about the youth that don't have a voice or aren't at the table. It's about those underrepresented groups that um, are the ones that are at the front line of climate change. So they're facing poverty. They're facing island sinking. There was a powerful VR experience I took part in about the King Tides, um, where an island had sunk by two metres. And um, because of that, they were living with flooding every time there's a high tide. And these poor children are, are literally sort of swimming around in the water and the water's in their classroom. So it's that, that's the stuff that we've really got to get to grips with and recognise that it's not just about our cosy society where we're safe and, and, you know, we see a bit of bad weather. It's about all of that. And it's vital that we actually hear their voices because they're the ones that have got to live with it. They're the ones that have got to find ways to earn money and make a living in that world that we're leaving them. So for me, that's that's really powerful stuff. It was really powerful. I agree. And and you mentioned the Forest of Promises. Um, we've actually got a video that you took in front of it um, uh, talking about um, this very topic and also how it links to um, the sk skills and our professional registration. So perhaps if we play that now, um, hopefully give some extra insight there. So. I'm here at COP26 and I'm sitting in front of the Forest of Promises, which is a tree full of promises made by children for the future. Of course, we obviously need adults to make promises and take action as well. But that got us thinking about our qualifications. A lot of our registrants are adults who've been in professions for a while and of course we want more of those, which is fantastic. But actually for younger people as well, developing their careers and thinking about their futures, they can be applying for degrees and apprenticeships and getting qualifications alongside. So we have our registered environmental technicians and recently launched registered environmental practitioner as well. 
So these are giving us more levels where people can actually build up their careers to that longer term future. And really that's how we build that competence and potential to collaborate to create the future that we all want. So yeah, do you want to just expand a little bit more on on kind of how um, the link between SOCEMB and skills as a whole? Yeah, I think we play a vital role, really, providing qualifications that, that demonstrate that competence that we talked about earlier. And I think what's exciting is that, you know, there's degrees that are aligned with what we're doing. So, um, you know, different professions can actually do a degree and achieve qualifications alongside that. And that's through our licensed members. So they can get memberships through their licensed memberships. Um, but then they can also achieve our qualifications alongside that. So it means that we're developing the key professions that are going to deliver the kinds of projects that are solving the real issues. So there's engineers, there's architects, there's planners, you name it. It's, there's all sorts of uh, environmental professions like um, ecology and um, environmental management, energy. It's all in there. And of course, water. So being a water professional, I think that's really important that you know it's, it's our most vital resource and we can't survive without it. So it's really vital that we capture this sort of thing in there as well. So developing those competencies and enabling young people to plan a pathway so that they can get to the table and have their voice heard within a, a professional context is vital. So there's there's two bits of voice there. You've got the um, the campaigning and the activism shouting about what's what needs to be fixed but then there's also the voices that are actually doing the work in the professional situation developing their competence through their qualifications and being able to feed in to actual projects that are happening and really making a difference and I think that's where we're vital. Absolutely and I think it was it was interesting as well um, at, the, at the conference there were a number of announcements weren't there about um, related to um, young people and um, yeah. particularly interesting was the um, announcement of the sustainability and climate change strategy for education which yes. we did actually reflect on um, at the summit so if I just play that video now and, and it gives a bit of extra insight hopefully into um, how that links with what we're doing and and sort of the yeah. very beginning of the journey of skills development and how that's really important um, embedding climate change into the curriculum as much as possible um, so yeah hopefully you'll enjoy this video. We've just heard a really interesting announcement. So Sarah, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yes, Sandra. Uh, so we just heard about the sustainability and climate change strategy for education. And one big part of that is um, helping teachers to integrate teaching about nature more into the curriculum. So do you just want to explain yeah. more, Sandra? Well, we were thinking that's really exciting for us because actually our qualifications neatly follow on from that. So it sounds like we're finally getting to a stage where there's a strategy that actually prepares people at a much earlier stage, developing their, their career plans so they can actually plan further ahead and eventually move into the qualifications that we offer. So for me, that's really exciting. What are you thinking? Absolutely, yeah. It's all about skills, skills for the future, um, equipping young people with the skills that they need and we all need, really, uh, for the future of the environmental profession. So that's that's exactly what we're all about at the Society for the Environment. Brilliant. And if anybody wants to find out more, of course, you can always visit our website at uh, www.socm.org.uk. So hopefully that was a really good insight into the linkages between um, SOCAMP and skills. Um, so if I just move on now to um, the sort of other another kind of um, really key element of SOCAMP's work, which is collaboration. So 
we identified COP26 as a really important opportunity to make new contacts, as well as strengthening relationships that we already have with existing partners. So, Sandra, could you explain why, why collaboration is so vital to what we do at SOCEMV um, and how, how we delivered that at COP26? Yeah, we're absolutely rooted in collaboration, really. So we came about because of a collaboration between all of our licensed members and designing a qualification which would help demonstrate that those competencies we've been talking about. And what's vital is to collaborate with employers and universities, those kind of things where they can actually help us to roll those those qualifications out. Um so while we were there, we were talking to various organisations, um, again, quite often chance meetings, but also arranging chats with people as well to make sure that we could actually have conversations around our, our key points that we were, were promoting. Um, without that collaboration, we can't achieve what we need to achieve. It's that simple, you know, and I think that applies to any of the actions that are coming out of COP26. It's that whole piece of we do have to work together. and. Working with employer champions, for instance, that's a really key part of what we do because they're the ones that are finding the people that want to actually develop their skills and build them. And they also feed back in to tell us what's needed. So as we develop new qualifications, we're learning from them what they actually want to see. So without that piece of collaboration, then we don't get that feedback and we don't grow. So it's absolutely essential that we make sure we build those communications. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. And I, I think it's also that sort of support, isn't it, that we all offer to environmental professionals um, to help them to thrive. So whether that's um, our employer champions or our licensed member bodies. Um, and we do we did actually meet me with um, Tom Pashby, uh, digital journalist at IEMA yes. as well, um, which was really good. Uh, do you have any comments before we play a, a quick video? Yeah, Tom was great. Um, so one of the things that we, we noticed was their nails. Um, they had fantastic um, COP26 branded nails and um, they've been shared on Twitter and LinkedIn if you want to see a, a picture of those as well. Um, and it was a really important discussion because we were talking about working with IEMA and other licensed members for that piece of collaboration and, and setting up how we can actually develop that further, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that was a great conversation. Brilliant. And we'll just play a, a snippet of it now. You've got some sort of influence on the narrative of your business stories that you're going to be putting out. Yeah, that. yeah. So that's a really exciting part. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm doing is speaking to people that are working on sustainability, seeing the amazing things they're doing, communicating that to the wider sustainability community and everyone else, and showing that there are lots of really close people who are doing incredible work to shift things. Um, hopefully we can get more people doing that and help those people that are doing it do their jobs as effectively as possible. Excellent. So that was great to hear from um, your conversation with Tom. I thought it was really, really interesting. So if I just move on a little bit, Sandra, to talk about, um, to sort of ask you about, on top of being a SOCM delegate, um, your kind of experience in general. Um, so what did it mean for you to attend COP26, firstly, as a, as a Chartered Environmentalist? I became a Chartered Environmentalist for a reason. Um, it was to make a difference and to actually be in the room where some of these vital conversations are happening was, it's, it just felt like my kind of life coming sort of full circle, really. 
um, all of the work that I've put in to develop my own competence. I felt like I had purpose while I was there and contributing something useful to the society. But the other part was um, another one of those those kind of chance moments. Um, we met up with Becky Toll from Crowberry um, and she actually introduced us to an artist called uh, Wayne Beniti. And he had an installation there, which I found very, very powerful, very emotional. And what it was, was he had like two pillars and one of them had a piece of ice core, which was taken from um, the end of the ice core, which was from the year 1875, I believe. Um, so essentially it was when we had only 315 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. So that was trapped in the bubbles in this ice. And it was in this, this sculpture melting. Um, you could actually touch this piece of ice. It moved me to tears. It really did just what it represented because of course we now have 415 parts per million and we'll never see that level again, certainly not in our lifetimes. And then on the other side of the room was a sculpture where he'd worked with scientists to actually extract some of that air to put it into a little capsule into a glass sculpture and preserving that little bubble of air. And I have a photo which I will share um, of the artist's hands around that sculpture and just the whole thing just really tapped into my emotions and just refreshed for me why I do what I do and why being a CMV is so important to me because it's at my core that I want to be at the forefront of action really. Yeah no that that I agree completely I think it was a really moving experience and um, it was sort of the power of art really um, yeah. uh, and I think that there's something about seeing a, like very visual representation of um of the the crisis that we're facing kind of um yeah really hit home I thought um so if I can ask you now the same question but in relation to your role as a water professional so your everyday work <laughs> so I'm only two months into a new role with um, Southern Water so I'm future growth lead there and the role is all about working with housing developments and planning ahead for how that impacts on our infrastructure. It's a very timely role because obviously the Environment Bill has just been ratified into law. Um, within that, there are uh, expectations for improving the way that we manage our sewage outflows and, and how we deal with storm overflows. Um, I know that our CEO, Ian McCauley, is completely passionate and very committed to doing the right thing it's one of our values as an organization is doing the right thing and um, I know that he is also passionate about doing something about the climate crisis and playing our part within that so these are all things that he speaks about openly and freely so I feel comfortable that I'm in the right place and that I can now within my role take what I've learned from COP and from the work that I do with SOCM as well and really sort of embed that into the role and make a difference. One of the big things we're working on at the moment is something called water neutrality which is um, the first area in the country that has been told that we can't extract any more water so um, any new development has to demonstrate that it's not going to impact on that more so we're now at the forefront of that issue and having to sort of work out how we're going to take that forward to enable developments by working with those developers so for me that's really exciting but to tie it back to what I'm saying about that sculpture you know the polar ice caps and the water cycle, it's all very closely linked and sea level rise is going to be a part of 
those melting and impacting on our networks. So it all comes back round together and just fires me up. So I came away with more passion and more commitment and reinvigorated to do what I can do within my role. Yeah, it's really interesting that you have all these different roles, but at the end of the day, it all comes back, um, you know, around to your passion and dedication as an environmental professional. So it's really, really interesting. Um, so if I sort of uh, move the questions on to sort of looking forward, um, so how how would you say that we can ensure that COP26 leads to the kind of tangible expert-led action that's required that it that, you know this this sort of what next question um you know we've we've had the summit we've made the commitments um how do we make sure that those commitments actually deliver on the kind of change that we need i think it's key that we carry optimism and hope in our hearts it's absolutely vital there's there's things that we can influence depending on what roles we all have and there's things that we perhaps can't because our roles don't necessarily directly relate so for me i'm not influencing government policy directly necessarily so there's that conversation and you have to kind of let it go a little bit because it's kind of it's almost over there but in that room there was so many organizations who are all working together and launching so many things you know lots of things almost got lost in the noise so we need to make sure we catch up on those things after the event as well because like i said at the start it's impossible to experience literally everything but within our own roles within our own competencies within our own careers we can all do something we can all do a lot more than something we know that really you know we need that moment of feeling like we've achieved something but that something can be every day. So if you achieve one little something every single day, that amounts to an awful lot of somethings. So, <laughs> you know, and we can all do that wherever we are, whether we've got a job already in the environment, whether we're developing our careers, whether we're just at school at the moment and working our way up to where we want to get to, we can all play a part. And I think that hope and that optimism has to stay with us through every single COP that we have between now and 2030, because those are the crunch dates, really. You know, if we don't achieve what we need to achieve, nothing else matters. It's that Absolutely. simple. Absolutely. Yeah, no, those are really powerful words, I think. And um, do you have any sort of words about the role of young people? I know we've spoken about that quite a lot um, already, but maybe maybe it'd be useful just to mention that again. And, and the general public, I think, as well, because obviously... Um, at COP you have the kind of the delegates that are accredited by the UN but you also have you know we saw a lot of people um, uh, on the, at the protests and making their vo voices heard as well um, and so I thought yeah maybe you want to say a few words about that as well. Yeah every single one of those people matters it's really vital that we understand that it was a privilege to be in the room it was an exclusive environment. Only so many people could be in that room. And I know people who wanted to be in there but could only get to the green zone, that kind of thing. The activists could only be in the streets making their voices heard. But every single one of those roles plays a part in shifting the needle. We're all making a difference. So for anyone that is currently thinking about their future and what role they can play in making a difference, don't lose heart. Whatever the negative press says about any of it, don't lose heart. We have to really take action. And you are part of that. 
You're part of shaping what future work looks like. You're part of shaping your own future career, but you're also part of shaping what those future projects look like. So where there's opportunities for youth engagement, to join shadow boards for youth and those kind of things, get involved. The scout movement is doing things, you know, with their um, jamborees and those kind of things. Get involved with those opportunities and find where you are most fired up. Find that one thing that sparks you so much that you just have to act and build your career from there. Because if you do that, it it's not it's not easy, not going to lie. It's not easy, of course, but it becomes that little bit easier because you're working to your passion and you're not sitting at a desk every day hating your job. So just find that fire and then use it. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I think some really powerful words um and maybe we could just close on sort of your reflections for what you would say maybe to um current chartered environmentalists because i suppose we, we touch a lot on sort of young people aspiring yeah. charter environmentalists um but maybe maybe you know the final message to to current charter environmentalists who are already doing you know amazing work um to keep them sort of motivated and keep them going um, and keep them doing that amazing work that they're already doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that, it's so important to recognise that there's a lot of people that are tired because there's a lot of work happened already. And we have to recognise that actually so much has gone on behind the scenes to enable the actions that are happening now. Um, I think we talked about this in one of our dinner conversations, didn't we, where actually, you know, there's there's all this work to develop the systems and drive that policy, that kind of thing. And that happens so behind the scenes that people can't see action. But that is vital because it's that whole 80-20 thing. If you spend 80% of the time planning and 20% of the time delivering, so what the public quite often see is that 20%. And our chartered environmentalists are so involved in that 80%. It's vital work. But the other thing is, you're not alone. None of you are alone. There's a lot of us. And keep talking to each other, keep collaborating, keep in touch with each other, support each other. Because actually, the work we're doing is so vital. Absolutely. I think it's that network, isn't it? Like you say, of, of chartered environmentalists, registered environmental practitioners, registered environmental technicians, it's kind of that that um shared good practice um that are, you know is helping each one of us do our job that bit better and and that's that's really important um and also i'd just like to point out as well that um as as we've kind of already mentioned but as ever sock is here to support um all of you as well so please do get in touch um and and let us know how we can help you and we're more than willing to to do whatever we can to to support your work um so yeah that's that's really and that sort of brings me to the end of um of the podcast of the interview I think um unless there's anything more you wanted to add Sandra no just I'm just going to mention again hope and optimism if we all take that away we can achieve a lot absolutely thank you thank you Sandra thank you so much I've enjoyed it (laughs) yeah me too great to see you again (laughs) you too take care take care If you're curious to hear more about the Chartered Environmentalist, Registered Environmental Practitioner and Registered Environmental Technician Registers, please take a look at our How to Become and Why Become recorded webinars on our website, socm.org.uk. 
or you can find them on our YouTube channel, Society for the Environment, where you will also find a variety of environmental webinar series and various different insights from registrants. To keep up to date with all of the Society's latest news, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SOCEMV underscore HQ and LinkedIn Society for the Environment in brackets SOCEMV. We will release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month. So if you're interested in our future podcasts, please subscribe to hear more from us. You can subscribe and review through a variety of platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and CastBox. So thank you for listening or watching on YouTube and we look forward to the next episode next month.